Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Um, yeah, it's been great to be here. I'm Canadian, by the way, um, which is, you can like me. That's what that means. I'm not an American. Um, <laughs> Part of the Commonwealth. Um, and and <laughs> I married an, an Australian. My wife, is, her name's Jasmine. She's at home in uh, Newport Beach, California, is where we live at the moment. Um, but uh, she's from New South Wales. Don't hold that against her. And uh, yes, she's, uh, she's great. Uh, it's been, uh, it's been a, a joy to uh, get to know you Australians. I'd uh, never been to Australian or to, to Australia before Australian. I'd never been to Australia really until I met my wife. And we've been coming here, gosh, I think, so we've been married for six years. We come here, I think, just about every uh, North American winter because it's pretty bad. And so we've been coming here, and gosh, there's nothing like an Australian summer, is there? It's wonderful. So we hang out in New South Wales, and my father-in-law, my wife sort of speaks, I was telling the first service, she speaks sort of an elegant Australian, if you could put those two words together. Um, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Um, my father-in-law is a, is a carpenter, a chippy, as you'd say, right? And so I've been really learning Australian through him. It's not been through my wife. You know, she's, she's ashamed of people like Banjo Patterson. Um, but my, my father-in-law, he, he's, you know, he told me all about Mulga, Hill, uh, Mulga Bill, who caught the cycling craze who turned away his good old horse that served him many days. Um, thank you. He dressed himself in cycling clothes, resplendent to be seen, right? I'm doing pretty good, aren't I? Uh, and then Walting Matilda and uh, Don Bradman. And I know the difference between Test Cricket and t- the Big Bash 2020. I'm doing pretty good. We watch the tennis every January. Um, so I'm doing pretty good, aren't I? I like Vegemite now. Right? So <laughs> I'm loving it. We, uh, we, we've had an opportunity to travel a bit around your country. We were in Adelaide this year, which was beautiful. Uh, I was in Melbourne just before I came here on this trip. Uh, we've been out to Perth. I don't think I ever want to go to Darwin. Um, <laughs> And, uh, but I just love Queensland. You guys, honestly, uh, I've told John all this, but if I had to pick a spot and live and die, I'd pick Queensland for sure. I mean, it's gorgeous here. It really is. You're spoiled. And, um, you saved the election, but we're not, we're not going to talk about politics. Okay. <laughs> That's horrible. Okay. Um, no, I really, I really love it here, and uh, you're spoiled, and thanks for having me. It's just been a wonderful time, and uh, we've, I stayed at a, um, John will put me at a hotel, I think it was in Merchador is where I stayed, and I was right on, I could see the water from my hotel, and I was just like, I can't believe this, this is insane, so I get to preach, and then I get to have views like that, so that's, that's nuts, and I got to see the, you know, the, the big, uh, the big pineapple, so <laughs> it's all just coming together for me. Really. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Jesus. Now, 
actually, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning. And uh, I just love that. Um, I love that you guys are in this series about what God is like. And so as Christians, you would know this. We, be, you know, we're, we're, we believe in Jesus Christ and we, we're saved by faith in Jesus. But we are Trinitarians, which means that we, we, we just sang this beautiful song, this beautiful Trinitarian song, praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, right? And there's some things that are definitely strange <laughs> that we believe, right? Like, I mean, we believe in a God who was born of a virgin and, you know, God incarnated, he took flesh upon himself and then he rose from the dead. I mean, that's pretty strange, you know? And just when you think you have God figured out, he goes ahead and tells us that there's three of him. <laughs> you know, okay, I'm starting to, okay, there's some weird stuff, but, oh, b- by the way, there's three, right? Like, and of course, God, God would be three because, like, you know, it just adds to the mystery. Like, who is this person? Like, think about it. He's never, he's never had a beginning. Doesn't that blow your mind? <laughs> you know, like, he's never had it. He, he'll never have an end. And he's never had a beginning. And there's three distinct people, three distinct personalities in the Trinity, um, but uh, of the same substance, but three different people who are co-equal, co-God, co-eternal. Pretty crazy stuff. So we got the first person in the Trinity who's the Father. The Father is the first among equals. The Father, uh, Jesus talked, especially in the book of John, he only did what the Father told him to do, right? And we, it's not like a necessarily like subjugation or something, like some sort of strange word, but lovingly loving the Father, trusting the Father, they all have different functions. So we see equality, yet diversity of function in the Trinity, Pretty interesting concept lost on our culture because in our culture, in order to be equal, everybody has to be flattened out and have the same role. But in biblical equality, it doesn't mean that we all do the same thing. Biblical equality is you can be doing different things and yet be equal. Um, So we see the father who's the first among equals and he's ordering and the father has a will and the father has a master plan um, and he's working his plan through salvation history. And then we have the son and the son is the sent one from the father. The son is not uh, begotten in the sense that he didn't exist and then now he exists. The, the, The son is just sent. He's begotten in the sense that he's sent and he takes upon himself human flesh and enters the, uh, our, our story. And so Jesus is the one who inaugurates the church and, and he is the head of the church and he's ruling the church. Uh, he is incarnated in flesh for perpetuity, uh, forever. And um, Jesus is in heaven right now. So he was glorified and he was resurrected and, and he ascended to the Father. And he's actually in session right now. Kind of court is in session in heaven. And he's, he is um, our high priest and he's our advocate to the Father. And he's um, representing us to the Father. He's the high priest and, and his, in his flesh and in his blood, which are the most powerful elements in the universe. And you know, so I, and so Jesus, you know, he, he ascends to the Father and the Holy Spirit comes down as Jesus leaves. And Jesus said to his disciples, it's actually better that I leave because when I leave, you're going to get this crazy power. The Holy Spirit's going to come and it's going to be insane, right? Can you imagine though? Because I've often wondered like how better life would be if Jesus was just with me. But I have to remind myself that Jesus said it's actually better if I leave. Right? Because you have the Holy Spirit. So this, this is the person that we're going to talk about, this third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So Jesus has ascended to the Father, and I imagine you know, he's going up to heaven, and he gives the Holy Spirit a high five. 
And he's like, okay, it's your turn. You know, Holy Spirit's like, well, how was it? He's like, well, they killed me. So enjoy that. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit comes down. And uh, I mean, it's been, it's been, risk, it's been risky for the, for the Lord to love us, hasn't it? It's not been safe for him to love you, right? It cost him his life. It's been painful for the Lord to love us. That's how much he loves us. And then he sends us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit kind of ups the ante. You see, Jesus doesn't live in your heart, uh, but his presence is mediated by the Holy Spirit, and Christ dwells in your heart that way. The anointed one dwells in your heart that way. But your body, Paul said in the book of Corinthians, is the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Crazy. And so God literally inhabits us, and it's like an it's, it's so intimate, that description, that God lives inside of us, and he's Imagine how much God must love you and not quit you to live inside of you. Hello. Right? He knows every thought. That's embarrassing. Right? Every feeling. Holy Spirit loves you so much that he doesn't quit you. He's sticking with you. Isn't that amazing? And in that way, the Holy Spirit is the love of God. Thomas Aquinas said that. That the Holy Spirit is the love of God. Imagine that love to just go, you know what? No, no, no matter what's, what's going on, I just, I love you. I'm sticking with you. I'm not going to quit you. And I'm going to like even convict you of some things that need to change, but I'm sticking with you. I just love that. Aren't you thankful for a God who doesn't give up on us, right? And he's just faithful and he's patient and he's kind and he's forgiving, and he's long-suffering. I'm just thankful for a God who's just like, Nathan, I'm, I'm not abandoning you. You're a mess, but I'm sticking with you. <laughs> okay, let's read some scripture here. Romans 5, verse 5. Romans 5, verse 5 says this, um, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. God pours his love into our hearts, through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Aquinas, I think, has it right. Jesus is the wisdom of God. Jesus explains who, who God is, explains that really the, the scriptures are about him, and he's the one that uh, sort of unites us to the Father, and he's a full explanation of God. We, we can see that in Hebrews chapter 1. But the Holy Spirit is the love of God, the, the love that's being poured into our hearts. And we have this... Um, this beautiful, um, this knowing in our knower, if you will, this assurance. You know, some of, some of us older saints, I don't know why I said us, I'm 36. Um, but some of the older saints would know that song, Blessed Assurance, right? Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, right? Like, we, there's this assurance that a Christian can have, and that's the Holy Spirit that the Father just pours right into you when you receive Jesus, and you just know in your knower, Jesus is mine. That's the Holy Spirit doing that. That love of God. What a beautiful thought. Romans 8.15. Romans 8.15 says this. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. By him we cry, Abba, Father. What a powerful passage. That the Holy Spirit is this love from the Father, and you receive this Holy Spirit, and you no longer fear God. 
Not in this, not in the sense of like you're you're terrified of him, right? I mean, there's a healthy fear in in the sense of acknowledging his power and his greatness and that he controls everything, right? But you have now there's it's it's like a it's like a fear that a that a that a that a daughter or a son has of dad. Remember that fear you had of your parents when you were a kid? I still have fear of my dad. <laughs> what am I talking about? You know, like my dad still, you know, I I'm still just that kid, you know, when I go home, you know, like I, I feel the love of my dad, but I'm a little bit of afraid of him, you know, just, just a little bit, you know, I don't want to upset him, upset him. You know, he's got that booming voice my dad has, you know, and he's, my dad's a sober man. He tells it to you straight. I love it, you know, and that's kind of the, but I have this, when I, when I, when I go home, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm still the kid, right? I, I kick my shoes off. I lay on my parents' couch. I open the fridge. I don't even ask. You know what I mean? Like, you just turn back into the kid when you go to your parents' house, right? Right? Because there's that relationship, right? In the same way, the Holy Spirit gives us this boldness that we're in Father's house. He can take my shoes off. I'm, you know, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit scared of my dad, right? But that's okay, right? It's a healthy fear, you know? It brings respect and honor, right? And you, but you're at home. You hearing me? And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He brings that, he's the spirit of adoption. And that even in the prayer, when we pray, Father, you know, Jesus taught us to pray. You know, the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, how do we pray? You know, and Jesus is like, okay, great, great question. This is how you do it. Our Father, right? You know, the Our Father who art in heaven. Father, that prayer, Father, is the Holy Spirit inside of you connecting you to Father. Right? That passage that we just read, by whom we cry, Abba, Abba is daddy in, in Hebrew. Daddy, father, right? So every time that we pray that prayer, that's the love of God inside of us that's been poured into our hearts, connecting us to the father. What a, what a powerful thought. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. Is this okay, everybody? It's got to be okay. I have the mic, okay? <laughs> Ephesians 2, 19, 22. Here we go. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers of course you're not anymore you're not foreigners and strangers but you're fellow citizens of God's people and also members of this household your sons and your daughters because you've received the spirit of God you can kick your shoes off right welcome home right you're part of the household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So Jesus is the head of the church. He's the cornerstone of the church. He's the one who's inaugurated it. But now we're in the age of the Holy Spirit who is building the church. Love builds the church. In him, the whole building is joined together. Say joined together. Joined together. And rises, I love that, and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together. Turn to your neighbor and say, built together. Built together. To become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. So the spirit is obsessed with building church. The father has the plan, sends the son. The son inaugurates the plan and welcomes us by his name into faith and fellowship back with the father. The spirit comes down and begins to build the church. The book of Acts is a book about the Holy Spirit. That's literally what the book of Acts is about. The gospels are about Jesus, our cornerstone. The book of Acts is how the Holy Spirit now 
begins to build the church. And we're still living in the age of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is in heaven. The Holy Spirit is here. Right? Jesus is ruling his church from heaven, his presence mediated now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is the game changer. When Jesus was with Peter, Peter, how do I say this in the right way? Peter was a dumpster fire. I mean, he just was. You know, you can always, if you ever want encouragement, just read passages about Peter's behavior. If you ever feel like, you know, maybe God doesn't love me. Well, have you ever like pulled a sword out and chopped somebody's ear off? Right? Probably not. You're going to be okay. You know, Peter didn't, have you ever denied Jesus three times to a little girl? You know, at a campfire, Peter did. You know, Jesus once called Peter like the devil. Get behind me, Satan. Well, thanks, Jesus. You know, like (laughs) feeling the love, Lord, you know. Peter goes from denying Jesus, 40 days later, he receives the Holy Spirit and begins to preach this powerful sermon. It's a radical change, right? Once Peter receives the love of God, the love of God actually makes you just bold and come alive and be yourself. You know what I'm saying? That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's the love. So you, get, you get filled with God's love, and then you, you, be, you, be, you come into your real self, And you become bold about the things that you should be bold about. And love is audible. You become an audible person. That's what happens. You become vocal. When you're in love with something, you get loud about it. You ever notice that? I don't know about you, but I've been watching, you know, keeping tabs on the AFL and the NRL this week. Okay? Just because, you know, when in Rome, right? Okay? And I mean... Aussie rules. I mean, that's nuts. Aussie rules is truly Aussie rules. Where in any other game can you just randomly push people for no reason? Right? How Australian is that? Like, I might, let's invent a game where you uh, just push people around, you know? I don't know. It's not a pretty bad accent, you know? <laughs> I'm working on it. You know, fair income, mate. Uh, just literally just shoving. It's incredible. And people, right, when they love their teams, you know, Collingwood... Good Lord. You know, all, all those Melbourne teams, when, when, when you love your team, you're loud about your team, right? Right? What you love, you're loud about. And the Holy Spirit causes us to love God and get loud about Him. That's, that's literally what He does. You hearing me? And I, what, I've even found this in my marriage. Like, I, I can't... I can't, I've found that even though, like, for us guys are typically a little bit more quiet. My wife does probably 90% of the talking in our marriage. Um, now, I'm trying to get better. I'm going to try to make that 85% this year, okay? Like, I'm getting a little better. I don't want to set goals that are going to kill me, okay? Like, I think it's realistic that I can talk 5% more this year, okay? <laughs> so this, this, this encouragement and this moment in the message isn't for the ladies, you you got the love of God. Us guys, we're, you know, we need to get a little bit more. I mean, God's a talker and he's pretty masculine. You know what I'm saying? And my masculinity should come from the Godhead and it shouldn't come from the world. But sometimes guys, we're quiet, right? And guys, aren't you happy that God talks? Aren't you happy that he speaks? Aren't you glad that he sent Jesus, his son, and Jesus talked to us and shared the game plan with us, and, right? And then told us that he loves us. 
You know, so I got to remind myself of those things. And, and I, I can't, I've, I'm finding that I can't have relationships with people if I don't tell them things and I don't tell them that I love them. Right? James Taylor, I think, was the one who said, shower the people you love with love. Show them the way that you feel. It's a great song, James Taylor. Go listen to it after. Okay. Good talk. <laughs> love is audible. And so what I need then as a Christian, if, if I'm finding that my love is not being audible, I need more of the Holy Spirit. Right? And by the way, you can get more. You just ask him. And I mean, that's a prayer that the Lord's always going to answer. Right? Let's keep reading. So we see in Ephesians chapter 2, though, that the Holy Spirit is God's plan to build church because love builds the church. And I'm going to show you this in the book of Corinthians. But the Holy Spirit is God's plan. We're in the age of the Holy Spirit. We're in the church building age. And this is how we build church on a molecular level. It's not lights. It's not good preaching. It's not, you know, the, the best music. It's not buildings. It's love. The Holy Spirit builds the church. You hearing me? And if we just cooperate with him, then we begin to see revival, which is just the Holy Spirit doing his thing. That's it. You hearing me? So love, the Holy Spirit builds the church on a molecular level through audible love. If you've ever wondered, what, how, do we, how do churches grow? Well, just, just audible love. That's it. The world is like, I mean, just think of it. The world is like, it is in a love deficit. Right? It, it is in an encouragement deficit. It's discouraging. It's quick to point out faults. You hearing me? The church is the place where we love people and we love them genuinely. We speak the truth, but how do we do it? In love. Right? So that we can all grow up into him who is the head. Let's keep reading here. So Joel 2.28. You'd be familiar with this. Joel's an Old Testament prophet. And the Lord gives him this word. And this is the Lord speaking here as we read this passage. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. What's the immediate result of the Holy Spirit being poured out on all people? Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. That's the immediate result. First result. Okay, so how do you know that my love, my spirit, my, the, my love has been poured out on people? They prophesy. Tonight, or today, rather, tonight. Today, we're going to talk about prophecy. And uh, I'm going to pray right now. That was just my introduction. Um, we're, it's not going to be long. But I'm just going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Amen. Okay. Now, with respect to prophecy, I want you to... I don't know about you, but I was raised in a charismatic church, okay? Like, I'm talking capital C charismatic. Okay? Tambourine smacking, conga line joining. If we had snakes, we'd handle them. You know what I'm saying? We had like three hour long services and an open mic would be at the front of the altar. People would come up and just, you know, sing a song or, you know, just share a prophetic word or whatever. It was wild. And I had a lot of, I watched a lot of and had a lot of crazy experiences. And um, I have learned over the last 36 years of my life that the Holy Spirit, and as I, as I read the scriptures, and as I just kind of, you know, just live a little bit, I've learned that the Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. <laughs> you hearing me? The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. Okay? The reason why our church isn't perfect is because you are here. 
<laughs> and I'm here. <laughs> you hearing me? Right? If you're looking for the perfect church, if you're there, it's not it. Right? People are broken. People are strange. People are, are weird. People do weird things. And they often do them in the name of God. Right? And uh, uh, that's, I mean, that's the, because that's the ultimate trump card, right? If somebody pulls the, oh, God told me, then it's like there's no conversation. Well, if God told you, then you have to do it, right? You know, like, it's the, it's the conversation shutter downer. Um, <laughs> there was this guy, I went to this Bible college. Now, there's nothing, there's no, there's no place more strange and superstitious than a Christian Bible college, especially a, a charismatic Bible college. So I'm at this, this Bible college. And have you ever met somebody who's always talking like, you know, and the Lord told me um, to do that. And then God told me, you know, like they're always having this conversation with God. And you just kind of like scratch your head and like, I don't know if the Lord told you that. You know, like... Just, they seem just a little bit too spiritual. You hearing me? You're like, yeah, the Lord told me, like, literally, I was talking to a lady one time, and she's like, yeah, the Lord told me to wear purple. I'm like, no, no, he didn't. God would never tell you to wear that. (laughs) He makes things beautiful, you know, like, (laughs) that's horrible. If you're wearing purple today, I literally, I'm not judging you. Uh, It was this lady, okay, in particular. It was hilarious. Always wore purple on Sundays. Somebody finally asked her, and then she told us, and it was like, wow, I'm sorry I asked. Um, <laughs> I didn't think you were crazy. Now I do, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I remember a lady telling me that, like, the Lord told her to order, like, to buy this certain chocolate bar. And I was just like, come on, dude. You know, like, really? I don't know. And I, I know that... And I do believe that sometimes God does ask us to do strange things, okay? Like, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Like, sometimes I've heard of miraculous certain things that prophets have done and whatever, and I'm not writing that off. I still believe in the prophetic, and I believe in, in, you know, I'm a charismatic, I am. But I just believe that sometimes weird people have hijacked the scriptures, and and prophecy doesn't belong to weird people. Prophecy belongs to the church, and prophecy is just audible love. That's all, that's all it is. Prophecy is audible love. Let's get rid of the capital P prophet for a moment, because a capital P prophet is somebody who is called by Jesus, right? It's like Paul called to be an apostle, right? Prophets are people who are called, they're confirmed, they have a track record. We're not talking about those people right now. We're talking about prophetic activity in the local church. And I'm going to show you in the book of Corinthians that Paul says, I want you all to do it. And the reason why I want you all to do it is because it builds church. Because love builds. That's what love does. It edifies. You hearing me? Okay. Prophecy is just audible love that is spirit born. It's kind of like, have you ever kind of like you you felt like a, a love for somebody? That is a prompting from the Holy Spirit to love on them. Maybe to love on them with, with your resources or to love on them with your words. But us Christians experience these strange impressions from the Holy Spirit to love people. But sometimes we don't know what to do with it. Prophecy is what to do with it. Does that make sense? And, and the Holy Spirit will give you boldness to, to, to begin to follow that through. So now we're going to look at some passages in, in Corinthians and then we're going to bring this thing to a head. But um, Really quickly, just to give the Corinthian church a, a bit of a, a, a background, it's the worst church ever. Okay? 
There's this passage in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul writes to them and he says, it's, it's worse when you get together. <laughs> what kind of church is like that? Can you imagine a church that literally when they meet on Sundays, everybody just goes home more discouraged? <laughs> like, if I was the pastor, I'd shut her down. You know what I mean? Like, okay, from now on, no more, <laughs> you know? So Paul writes to this church, and he writes, he, he diagnoses the problem, and he goes, you're very gifted people, but you've allowed the culture to come in. You're vying and jockeying for position, and you need love, because love will build the church. Anything else just tears the church down. So in 1 Corinthians 12, he's going to talk about spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 13, he's going to talk about love. Then in 1 Corinthians 14, he's going to talk about spiritual gifts again. It's a love sandwich. You hearing me? 1 Corinthians 13, that passage about love that we're going to look at really quickly, it's sandwiched by spiritual gifts. If you miss that, then you don't understand why he's writing about love. You hearing me? The context is you operating in your spiritual gift. Okay, so let's look at this. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 3. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Stop right there. The first principle that Paul begins to bring in is that, hey, we have some revelation from the Holy Spirit. It's prior revelation. We call the scriptures, Okay. The, the Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures. He's never going to say anything that's contrary to the scriptures, right? Because he inspired them. You hearing me? So like, if you say Jesus is a curse, it's clearly not the Holy Spirit because we know that Jesus is not a curse. We know that Jesus is Lord, right? And when you say things like Jesus is Lord, you can have confidence that you're saying that by the Holy Spirit. See, sometimes we... We, it's like we over-spiritualize things. And we're like, is this really God, this encouragement for somebody? And it's like, well, Jesus is Lord is God. Jesus is Lord is the Holy Spirit flowing through you. Just like it's the Holy Spirit flowing through you when you say, Father, hearing me here. Those aren't throwaways. You can have confidence. Have a bit of confidence, right? As a believer, have some confidence that when you step out and begin to encourage somebody in something that you know is it's biblically right, and it's, you're hearing me. You can go, I believe this is the Holy Spirit. Amen, Nate. That's a great word. Okay. <laughs> First Corinthians 13. Here we go. So coming out of this passage in 1 Corinthians 12 on the spiritual gifts, Paul begins to write in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, 
always perseveres. Love never fails. Prophecy doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It doesn't delight in evil. Prophecy always protects. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You hearing me here? This is what love is. And so if you're speaking the truth and there's no love, it's not the truth because the truth is always being spoken in love. You hearing me? And when we're encouraging one another, these are the guidelines here. Okay, like, so these, these are the prophetic guidelines. Is it, is it loving? If it's not loving, it's not building. And if it's not building, we don't want it. You hearing me? Let's continue here. 1 Corinthians 14. You with me, church? 1 Corinthians 14. So this is coming out of that beautiful chapter in, 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 in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul's going to begin to talk now again about spiritual gifts. Follow the way of love. And in the same breath, he says this, and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Turn to your neighbor and say, eagerly desire. Eagerly desire. Eagerly desire. This is a question that you have to ask yourself. Do you eagerly desire gifts of the Holy Spirit? Do you, would you say, um, I'm impartial? Because that's actually not the, because the scriptures aren't saying be impartial. Would you say, um, you know, I can take it or leave it. That's, that's not the attitude that the, the apostles encouraging the church, our church this morning. Are you hearing me? Hey, this is God's word, right? What do we need to do? We need to bring our attitude up to measure of his word. You hearing me? Okay, so then his, he continues here. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. This is for every believer here, especially prophecy. I have to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, and I need to eagerly desire to prophesy. That is what Paul the Apostle says to me. For everybody. Now watch this. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. That is true. Right? Like when people, people are speaking in tongues, I'm like, I, I don't even know what's happening. Right? Like, and that's great. They're speaking and they're uttering mysteries by the Holy Spirit. Next passage. But the one who prophesies speaks to people. Right? For their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Strengthening, build up, right? Encouraging, stir up. Stir up in your calling. Stir up in your passions, right? Stirring that person up in what they love and what the direction of their life and their purpose, etc. And, and comfort, cheer up, build up, stir up. Cheer up, build up, stir up, cheer up. That's the heart of prophecy. How can I build this person up? How can I stir them up in their gifting? And how can I cheer them up? After this encounter, after what I say, will they feel built up? Will they feel stirred up? And will they feel cheered up? Isn't that beautiful? Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. Edifies is just a fancy word for build up. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. Hello. Isn't that amazing? So then in the, in the, in the following passages of scripture, Paul, Paul's just like, look, I'd rather that you would not speak in tongues in, in the assembly and just prophesy. You know, like just, I'd rather that you speak one word of prophecy than a thousand words in tongues. You hearing me? Because the church isn't about you, it's about us. You hearing me? And the Holy Spirit is passionate about building 
church. And how does he build church? Through love. And what is love? It's audible. Build up. Stir up. Cheer up. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather that you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up, so that the church may be edified. Next passage in verse 12. So it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. Okay? Try to excel in those that build up the church. And then verses 32 to 33. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. What that simply means is like some of us think that in, in encounters of the Holy Spirit, and we've had these misconceptions, I think even in Pentecostalism, where it's like when somebody's moving by the Holy Spirit, it's like the Holy Spirit um, kind of like you're like a puppet and he puts his hand up your back, you know, and then just moves your mouth. And that's how prophetic utterance happens, even in tongues. And that's not how it works. It's your mouth and you got to move it. And every single time it's an act of faith, but you're stirred by the Spirit of God and you just, you know, you just go for it. You just encourage somebody. You hearing me? Right? It's, and, and you're responsible for what you say. Oh, it was just, oh, the Spirit gave it to me. No, your spirit, your responsibility. You know, like no hiding behind, oh, God gave me this word, so I just have to deliver it. No, your spirit, your responsibility. You hearing me? You're responsible for saying bad things to people. Because that's what people will do. Weird people will go, oh, God told me to tell you that you're ugly and your mother dresses you funny. (laughs) Um, no, that was you. (laughs) You hearing me? (laughs) The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the congregations of the Lord's people. I want to read one more passage of scripture. And then we're going to do something kind of fun. First Thessalonians 5, 19 to 21. Here's a, here's, a, here's a word for somebody today. I don't know who you are, but here is some Bible for you. Where's the band at? There he is. He's the one-man band. Get him up here. You guys playing poker or something? What's happening? Oh, there they are. He had pocket aces and he had to fold. <laughs> Do not quench the spirit. How do I quench the spirit? By treating prophecies with contempt. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. I quench the spirit when I'm not building up, stirring up, cheering up. The spirit wants to flow, wants to build, wants to love people. I quench the spirit when I put my hands in my pocket and I run for the door. You hearing me? I quench the spirit when I go, oh, it's all about me. I quench the spirit when I bite my tongue, when I, I know I should have encouraged that person. You know, but my pride gets in the way. Oh, I, you know, I wanted to encourage them, but I didn't know what to say. And I thought like, I'd, I, I thought I might look like an idiot. Yeah, but like, it's about you. What about them? Maybe you don't know what they're going through. You know, I wonder what somebody's healing looks like on the other side of your simple obedience. But we just, we, we, we limit God because we're just so familiar with ourselves and we're so familiar with our own failings and we just wonder and we doubt. You know what I'm saying? 
We have the Spirit of God inside of us, and we have to lean into that a little bit and go, Holy Spirit, I'm just going to walk on water a little bit and just trust you and have a little faith that you can use me. I'm not the most articulate person, Lord, but I'm just going to, I'm going to find somebody and I'm going to build them up. I'm going to stir them up. I'm going to cheer them up. If I could just make somebody smile. That's how the Holy Spirit is building the church. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them. Test them all and hold on to what is good. Just for a moment, for the next 60 seconds, I'd like you to find one person, maybe somebody that you came to church with. It's your spouse, maybe. And just, just build them up, stir them up, and cheer them up. Find somebody if you came you know, by yourself. Just for the next minute, for 30 seconds, you have a go at them, and then you have them have a go at you. And let's just be the church and just be audible and let the Holy Spirit let you love on somebody right now. Come on, for the next minute, let's just do this. Have fun with it. Just put a smile on somebody's face. Build up. Stir up. Cheer up. In Jesus' name. Let me just, church, why don't you just stand up and I'm just going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, we need you. Because we're We're scared. (laughs) And we like to hide in our little shells. And we're nervous about, you know, what to say. And this is an uncomfortable thing. Holy Spirit, we need your boldness. And we need to just lean in to you and know that you're the one that gives us the right thing to say at the right time. I thank you, Lord, that when we open our mouths, you fill it. We can have that confidence that when we step out, God, you're going to meet us there. Lord, would you make us a loving church? Not just a church that talks about love but a church that is audibly loving. Would you be, make us a church, Lord, that's prophetic that way? Not weird, but wonderful. Not strange, but just full of the Spirit of God and full of words that build up, stir up, cheer up. God, I, I pray that you'd make us a church that, that hell has no place when it comes in here. That we just encourage the, the hell out of people in Jesus' name. That it just, that discouragement has to drop when it comes in here, God. Because we're people that that we build the church and we allow your spirit to flow. Lord, we don't want to be people who quench the spirit of God. But we want to be people who allow the spirit of God to flow through us in Jesus' name. Make us bold. The righteous are bold as lions. Would you make us a bold people who love people in the love of the spirit of God? Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by what you heard and inspired to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. Hope you can join us again on the next podcast or here at Suncoast Church.